new parak. It's the final parak, final chapter in Barachas, parak Araya. It's actually going to be the final Mishnah right here. This Mishnah is going to take us straight till the end. Okay, starting the Mishnah. If you see a place where miracles happen for Israel, you say, blessed is the one who made miracles for my forefathers in this place. A place from which the Akum, Avodah idol worship was destroyed. Not, not idol worship, I'm sorry. A place in which idols were destroyed. One who uprooted these idols, from our land. So according to some of the commentators, this is only referring to a place in Israel itself, because it says Artsenu, our land, it's referring to Israel. So thunder, lightning, um, different types of, you know, earthquakes and um, great winds. These are things that you say, Blessed is the one whose strength and, um, and might fills the world, right? You know, when you see a natural phenomenon, that exhibits, that, that shows us that, you know, Hashem expressing himself in this world in a very obvious way, then you make a blessing about Hashem's power. You see mountains, you see hills, and you see oceans, and you see rivers, and you see deserts. You say, blessed is the one who, who created the world. Now, this is not referring to any hill, any mountain, any river. It's referring to something that's exceptional, right? So it would have to be a really large river. It would have to be a really large it would have to be a really large mountain, right? If you say, if you says, Haraya Asayama if you see the, the great ocean, you say, Blessed is the one who created the great ocean. Now, it's a big question what is the great ocean? Is the great ocean the Atlantic? Is it the Mediterranean? I think there's one other option too. They say that the only place where you have no doubt that it's the proper place to make the bracha is at Gibraltar, because I think at Gibraltar you're able to see the, where the Mediterranean and the Atlantic. Is there anything else that meets there? Robin, you have any idea? Is there another ocean or sea that meets over there? They say that might be the only place we actually can make this problem. No, it's this okay. Mediterranean and the Atlantic join there. And that's it, right? There's nothing else there, right? It's not, the Indian Ocean isn't there last time I checked. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just, is that the only place, I guess, where you're on land and you're able to see both of them, maybe? Okay. Now, oh, sorry. Now, you only make these brachas when you see it every 30 days. In other words, the sense of awe that you feel upon seeing these types of places, you're only going to get that sense of awe if it's every 30 days. If, you, if, you're, if you're climbing in the Tetons every day of your life, then you're not going to have the same sense of awe and you don't make that bracha anymore. Except once every 30 days. If rain falls or basuras tovas, general good tiding, right? You get you get a notification of good tidings. Maybe we say, blessed is the one who is good, who does good, and makes good for others as well. You have bad tidings. Blessed is the true judge. You build a new house. You buy new clothing, right? We say buying new clothing. We don't mean buying a new pair of socks. We mean buying, you know, something significant, you know, a new, um, a new suit, you know, a new pair of shoes. Then what do you do? You say, blessed is the one who has kept me alive and sustained me up until this point. You bless for the bad, similarly to how you bless on the good. And on the bad, I'm sorry, and on the good, similar to how we bless on the bad. Now, it's a different terminology, right? Than what we say, we just got finished saying that if it's something good, you say, blessed is the one who is good and makes good. When it's something bad, you say, blessed is the true judge. So when we say you make the blessing in a similar way, we don't mean 
obviously the words are going to be different. And obviously the way in which you feel about it is going to be somewhat different. But what we're trying to express is that you should recognize it to the greatest extent possible that whatever happens for us, whether we think it's good, whether we think it's bad, ultimately God is really judging what we need. And it's what we need because this is what God decided we need. So either way, whether it's good or bad, it really is what we need. And therefore our attitude should always be the same on some level. Someone cries out about something which has already taken place. That is a wasted, that is a tefillah, a prayer in vain. What does that mean? Here's an example. His wife is already pregnant. And he says, May it be your will that my wife gives birth to a male child. That's a wasted tefillah, wasted prayer. Why? Because it's already decided what the gender is. There's nothing more that you can pray for that's going to end up changing that after she's already pregnant. You're coming in the road and you hear that there's a crying out in the city. Perhaps they're crying out. You know, 911, you hear a bunch of fire engines, right? You're like, uh oh, I hope there's not a fire in my house. And you pray to God, there's no fire in your house. That's a wasted prayer. A wasted prayer because whatever happened already happened. There's nothing more to pray about at this point. When you go into a city, you should. There's two different prayers that you should say. One when you come in, and one when you go out. Benazi says, Arba, You should say two on the way in and two on the way out. Four prayers total. What are they? You should give thanks for everything that's happened in the past. And pray, give, call out to Hashem about the future that things should go well for you. And when you leave the city, same thing. Give thanks that everything in the city went well. And then pray that everything when you leave the city will go well for you. You are obligated to bless Hashem for the bad, same way you're obligated to bless for the good. So we mentioned earlier that it's a different prayer. We mentioned earlier that the prayer should be said with a similar type of vein, but now we're saying, what's the source for this? That you have to bless Hashem for that which happens to you that's bad. As it says in the Pasuk, in the Torah, we're very familiar with with all of your hearts, it's teaching you that you have to, what does it say, with all of your hearts? It should say, with all of your heart, if we're trying to express that you should, um, should give thanks to Hashem, I'm sorry, that you should love Hashem with all your heart, then you should say all of your heart, not all of your hearts. Why does it say all of your hearts? To teach you that both of your yitzar and both of your inclinations, both with your good inclination and both with your evil inclination, you should love Hashem. And with all of your soul, even if Hashem is commanding you to give up your soul for Him, you still have to be willing to do so, right? The idea of giving up your life, if it means not worshiping the desire idol worship. With all of your money. What else could it mean when you say It could also mean Whichever measure that Hashem measures out for you, give thanks to Him. So this would be the source for the idea that one is obligated to give thanks to Hashem on the bad, the same way as obligated to give thanks on the good. Where do we derive it from? From the fact that it says which is a reference to the fact that you give thanks to Hashem for whatever He measures out to you. You should not Make uh, make jokes when you are facing towards the east wall, right? What does that mean? So if you're in Yerushalayim and you're facing towards the east wall, which is going to be facing directly towards the Kodesh HaKadosh and the Holy of Holies, you should not have a sense of, um, you know, mockery or, or making jokes because that's disrespectful. You should not go on to the Harabai, you should not go on to the Temple Mount with your stick and with your purse. 
I'm sorry, with your shoes, with your purse, but not with the dust that's on your feet. And don't make it a shortcut, or and don't spit there. And certainly don't spit there, right? In other words, there's a certain amount of seriousness and, and um, respect that we have to have when we go on the Harab Bias. It's the place where the base of Mikdash will be again. Whenever they finish a bracha in the base of Mikdash, they would say, Ada Olam, up till forever. Now, Olam in our world really means, when we say Olam, we mean forever. We don't just mean this world, we mean the next world as well. However, when the Tzedukim came along, and they said there is no world to come. What you have in front of you is the only thing that you will ever have. They changed the, the way that they would finish the bracha in the Beis HaMikdash. And they would say, not just Minna Olam, but they would say Minna Olam, the Ada Olam. From this world, including the next world. They also said, you know what? We want to, now, from now on, we should be saying kite and bye to our friends. We should be using Hashem's name, which we might have thought and, and indeed, it is a, some level of disrespect for Hashem. However, given what was happening at that time with the Tzedukim and the danger that they were bringing to our world, we felt it was important to have Hashem in our everyday lives in a more open way. So what, how, do, how would we do that? And how do we, sorry, how do we know that we should do that? It says, So we're talking about Boaz now. Boaz marries Rus. And he's coming from Beis Lachem. And he says to his reapers, Hashem imachem, Hashem should be with you. And they said to him, Hashem, Hashem should, pray, should, um, should bless you. And then he says, Hashem is with you. Giber Hachayel, the, the mighty, mighty um, troop. The time has come to act for God. We might have to violate the Torah, so to speak. We sometimes have to actually violate the Torah for a time when it means to act for the sake of God. So Rashi here actually understands that it doesn't mean to literally violate the Torah, because it's not a violation of the Torah to use Hashem's name when you're meeting your friend, but it seems to be a violation of the Torah. But even so, it was necessary to act in this fashion because we had to bring, you know, sort of make God great again, if you will. So that was was necessary to actually use Hashem's name. We'll see that later on in the Gemara, not here, but a little bit later in the Parak, we're going to talk about a different story where we say, the time has come to act for God. Sometimes you have to violate the Torah, and we'll actually use it to refer to an actual violation of of a Torah commandment, but right here, at least Rashi doesn't understand that. How do we know? How do we know that you have to uh, make a bracha to Hashem when you pass by a place where a nace happened? So Amar Rabbi Yechonon, Rabbi Yechonon says, the Amar Kra. It says in the pasuk, "Yemer Yisrael Baruch Hashem Asher Hitel." The Yisrael blessed Hashem who had saved Kol Yisrael at this place, right? So we see that you have to make a bracha when Hashem makes the nace for other people. So from here, all you see is that if Hashem makes a nace, a miracle to save many people, you make a bracha. But we don't see that if Hashem makes a miracle to save an individual, you make a bracha. There was a guy who was coming and an arye, a lion, attacked him. And a nace happened and then he was saved from the lion. He says, he told him, anytime you ever pass by that place where this nace happened for you, you should stop and say, blessed is the one who made a nace for me here. He was coming to fix the arvas and he, and he needed water. And all of a sudden, there was a spring of water popped up right there and he had water. And he drank it. 
So that was one miracle. The Susim and then there was another time. Halika also a bit ristika de mechuzah. He's coming in ristika de mechuzah. But not and a wild camel, you know, rabid camel starts attacking him. Isparka lay ashita al There was a house right next to him, an old house, and a wall just fell down right that moment. He jumped into the house and escaped this wild camel. Kimato arbas when he got the arbas baruch he made a bracha baruch shalosali neis for arbas ube gamal. He said, "Blessed is the one who made a neis for me an arbas, and who also made a neis for me with the." Camel. Kimata, the Ristika, the Mahuza, Burak Barak Shasalines, Begamo, Uba Arvas. And when he got to Ristika Mahuza, he said a bracha that the one who made an ace from the camel, the one who made an ace from the water. Amri, Anisa, the Rabbin, Kuli Alma Machayavi, the Bruchayavi. So the Achad Iyu Chayav the Bruchay. Basically, what the Gemara is saying is the only proof that you see from our Mishnah and from the story of the Yisro is that when you have a nace that happened to the, the rabbin, to the, the seabirds, to many people, then everybody's obligated to make a bracha, even those who were not actually included in that nace. So even us who are not included in the nace of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, a place that a nace happened to our forefathers, we should make a bracha. But an individual who has a nace happen to him, he has to make a bracha. But if, if Robin has a miracle happen to him, he's going to have to make a bracha. I don't make a bracha when I see that place, right? Okay. If you see any of these, the, either the place where they crossed the sea, the place where they crossed the Jordan River, we don't know what that is yet, but the Gemara is explaining what that is. Tomorrow is going to discuss what these cases are. But all these places are miracles and things which you should then give praise and thanks to Hashem. Now we're going to get into them. When it comes to the splitting of the sea, of course that's a place where we should give thanks to Hashem. It says explicitly in the Torah that the, the sea was split. So of course that's a place where we should give thanks to Hashem for having done this miraculous thing. The crossing of the Jordan River, what's that referring to? So in, in the Sefer Yoshua, in the book of Joshua, it says, So it tells us a very interesting story. Basically, they're crossing the Jordan River. The Kohanim have the Aaron with them. They walk into the middle of the river. It's completely dry where they are walking. They stand in the middle of the river with, this, with the Aaron on dry land, and everybody else is crossing on dry land. So that's clearly a place where a nace happened for the entire nation of Israel. What's the story of the Ma'avres Nachale Aaron? What's that referring to? And so it is written in the book of the wars of Hashem. That S and Vahab were in the end. What is this referring to? Here's the story. So it was like this. There were two Mitzrayim, two people who had Taras Tayo. Their names were S and Vahav. And they were going Basaifa. They were going after the rest of Kral Yisrael. The Mitzrayim were not permitted to be in the regular encampment. So they had to follow behind outside of the camp. When Yisrael is traveling, the Amarayim came, turning out to 54B. Abdi Lahoin Nikrais, sorry, Nikirusa. They basically built these, um, they were going to ambush Kali Yisrael. So they did is they built these um, cavities in, the, in this mountain high above a very narrow ravine. And they were planning on throwing down tons of boulders and stones and, and arrows and maybe burning oil. Who knows what they were planning on doing. And they would have destroyed many of us. 
They said, When Yisrael come here, we will kill them. They did not know that the Aaron Kodesh, the Medrash tells us, and the Gemara tells us over here, that when the Aaron Kodesh was traveling in front of Kali Yisrael, when they're in the desert, the Aaron Kodesh actually caused the land to become smoothed out. So if there was a uh, mountain there, it, the mountain actually would be combined from both sides, they would combine it into one smaller mountain, so then they could actually walk around it. If there was hills, sometimes it would actually smooth out the hills. If there was a depression, it would make the depression become smoothed out. So we had very little strenuous activity. So what happens is they're sitting in, in these cavities of these two mountains that are facing each other with a very narrow ravine in between, planning on throwing things down on top of us. And what happens? Kima the and when the Aran comes close, the two sides of the mountain go, they collapsed into each other. They cut Linu and they killed everybody who was waiting for us. And their blood ran like a river. When S and Vahav come in the end, they see there's blood running from this mountain. They came and told Israel, you don't even know what happened, but after you guys passed by this mountain, we saw that there was blood coming, and we figured out what happened, that there were people up there, and they got destroyed when the Aaron caused them to die, and nothing happened to us. So, at that point, they gave praise. They sang praise. That's what it says. This is referring to the fact that these two sides of the mountains came together and destroyed our enemies in between them. What's this referring to? This is talking about rocks, right? The hail that was suspended for one man and fell for another man. What's this referring to? When it says it stood up for a man, it stood in the ear suspended for a man, it's referring to Moshe. How do you know that Moshe is called an ish? Because it says, but ish Moshe, the man, Moshe, on the Moed, he was very humble. It says that when Moshe Rabbeinu was davening for the hail to stop coming down, that it stopped and it suspended. So literally the verse means that it just didn't reach the ground. We don't know exactly what that means, but what we're saying is that it actually stayed up in the, it stayed suspended in its state. Yordu agabe ish ze Yeshua. It fell on that man, it means it's referring to Yeshua. Take for you, Yeshua benun, a man upon whom my spirit rests. So we see he's described as ish. So we say that the rock stayed up for Moshe and they fell down for the second ish, that's Yeshua. And it says, so in, in Sefer Yeshua, it says that Hashem threw these rocks down on the people. So what the Gemara says is when it's referring to the rocks that Hashem threw on their enemies in front of Yeshua, what's referring to is that hail that was suspended in the air at the time of the Makkah, at the time of the plague of Barad of hail. That hail came crashing down when Hashem destroyed some of their enemies as they came into the land of Israel. Now, we said also, we said another place where there is something that we are very thankful to Hashem for is the rock that Oig, Melech wanted to throw on Israel to kill us. Now, the Gemara is like this. There was a tradition. We said, how, long, how big is the Machani Israel, the Kamath of the Israelites? We said, this is how big it is. Parsi. It is three Parsi squared, right? So it's quite a large area. He went and he grabbed a, a mountain that was three parsim, right? So a tremendous mountain. He picks it up. The Israelite, when he's going to pick it up and hold it over their heads, the Ikhtalino, he's going to throw it down on us. He's going to kill us. 
He picks it up and he holds it over his head. comes, Hashem comes, there are ants that go into this mountain and start, uh, termites are tunneling away and the rock gets hollowed out and it falls down on his head. So he wants to take it off of his head. His teeth all of a sudden start getting expanded and his teeth sort of get like hooked into the mountain and the mountain's no longer able to move. He's not able to take it off of his head. And that's why it says, the teeth of wicked people Hashem has destroyed. But like Rosh Hashem explains this verse in Tehillim, what does it really mean? That what is that which it says that the mouth, the, the teeth of wicked people will be destroyed? I'll That it will be expanded. So the, the teeth of the Rosham got expanded and they actually caught the mountain on his head. How tall was Moshe? He was 10 amas high, 20 feet tall. Shakal Nargabar Aser Amon, he picked up an axe that was 10 amas tall, so now he's 40 amas tall total. 40, sorry, not 40 amas, 20 amas, 40 feet tall. And what does he do? Shavar Aser Amon, he jumps 10, 10 amas off the ground, 20 feet off the ground. And he stabs, with at 60 amas high, he stabs into Og's ankle, because that's how tall Og is. And then, because he stabbed into Og's ankle, Og, Og falls, he loses the mountain, the mountain falls down on his head, and he comes crashing down and dies. The Rajva says that this is clearly not meant to be understood literally, because if it was meant to be understood literally, Og was something like 600 feet tall. And um, I guess it's just highly unlikely it's meant to be understood literally. So, and it's also highly unlikely that he's able to pick up a mountain that was able to cover you know, this type of distance. So Rajva says that this is a, a mushal. It's, a, it's an allegory to a, um, to a story about exactly what, what it is that Moshe was doing to try to fight against try to fight against Og and what Og thought that he was going to use to fight against them. But we're using an allegory, a very memorable allegory. I remember reading the story as, as a young kid because we had a book of Agadita, a book of like the tales of the Gemara. And, and yeah, I never forgot the story. So it's definitely a memorable story. Uh, but there definitely is a hidden message as well. The Evans, so that if you see that place, the rock that, that Og did pick up, he did pick up a rock. He was a large person. He did pick up a rock. And at some point, at least they remembered what that rock looked like. They remembered where it was. You should make a bracha that he, that he was thwarted in his evil plot. The Avach Yashav Moshe, the rock that Moshe sat on, the Chsiv, the Moshe Kvedim, the Yikru Evan, the Yasim and fighting Amalek, which we're going to be reading about next week's parsha at the end of the, you know, parsha Zachar. So we're going to read that Moshe Rabbeinu is sitting down on the rock, and Yeshua is on one side, and Chor is on the other side, and they're holding up Moshe Rabbeinu's. I'm sorry, Nachor, and, and Aaron is on the other side. They're holding up Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, and while he's sitting on this rock, when they get too heavy. So he's sitting on top of this rock, and, then, and that's the rock. When you see that rock that Moshe Rabbeinu sat on, you should make a bracha that Hashem did a miracle for us to help us defeat Amalek. This is Shalot, the wife of Lot. What happened to the wife of Lot? The angels take Lot and his wife and the children and say, get out of Sodom and don't look back. And if you look back, bad things are going to happen. She can't hold herself back. She looks back. She turns into a pillar of salt. Right, so if you see that pillar of salt, you have to make a bracha. The chaimah the walls of Jericho that came tumbling down in, in once again in the book of Yoshua, right? That the walls of of the, the the wall came crashing down underneath it. All these other things, they're nisim, they're miracles that help save us. The fact that his wife turned into salt, that's not a good thing. That was a punishment. So you're right. You're not supposed to say thank you, Tashem. You're supposed to say blessed is the true judge. 
No, you can't say that because it was pretty explicit in the Brisa that what are you supposed to do with these eight places? You're supposed to give thanks and praise to Hashem. But yet you just told me, give thanks and praise to Hashem for the fact that you turn into a pillar of salt. That's not a thanks and praise thing. That's a true judge. When it comes to Lord and his wife, you make two brachas. Skip the line. When it comes to his wife, you should say, you see the pillar of salt, you say, blessed is the true judge. When it comes to seeing Lot, the place where Lot was saved, blessed is the one who remembers the righteous. In other words, Lot was saved, even though he didn't deserve to be saved, because of the merit of Abraham. So when you see the place where Lot was saved, you should say, blessed is the one who remembers the merit of the righteous, i.e. Abraham's merit. Even in, in when Hashem is angry, he still remembers. He remembers the righteous one. Hashem was going to destroy and overturn the city, and he remembers Abraham, and he sends to rescue Lot. So you see that even when Hashem is angry, he still remembers the righteous. So just to get back to that question again. So the question was, why are we giving a blessing for Lot's wife? How could that be counted as one of the places giving a blessing of thanks and praise to Hashem? So we say, no, indeed, that's not what you give thanks and praise to Hashem for. You give thanks and praise to Hashem for Lot. About his wife, you just give a Baruch Bainab. The Bible told us that the place where the walls of Richo came tumbling down. It says, in this way we're describing it now, is that Nibla, they were swallowed up. They're going around the wall. They went around the wall one time for six days. And seventh day, they went around the wall seven times. They're blowing the shofar. And then the walls came sinking down into the ground. So it says, And then everybody responded with the calling out. With a loud calling out. And the wall fell down in front of them. But over here it says it didn't fall down. It got swallowed up. My answer is, since its width and length was exactly the same size, you don't say that it fell, it didn't fall. It just actually got sunk into the ground and got swallowed up. I'm reviewing the name of Rav. There are four people who need to give thanks to Hashem. Right? We're going to now talk about benching Goymel. Right? When people get up in Shola and they bench Goymel, they... they this bracha comes directly from the Gemara. Who are these four people? Yardayam, people who go down to the sea. Hokim and Baras, people are traveling in the desert. Someone who is very ill and gets better. Someone who is locked up in jail. Sorry, and then he got out of jail. All four of these people give blessing to Hashem, giving thanks for having saved them from a dangerous situation. Yardayam and Nolan, how do we know people go down to the sea have to make this bracha? Those who go down to the sea and ships, they get to see the the um, the creation of God. So we say that people who are in this scenario, they are in a very tight spot, and they and when they get out, they recognize that Hashem has gotten them out of the spot. You should give thanks to Hashem and you should relate his neflayas, his, his wonders to people. So how do you do that? To make an esprach when you get out of that scenario. Those who go down to the desert have to give a special praise to Hashem. You're going to the desert, they can't find a city, they call out to Hashem. 
and he points you in a very straight path to where you need to go. Then you give thanks, you give praise to Hashem. Me, Shachalav and Israfa, how do you know that with those who get sick and get better, that they have to give thanks to Siv, Evilam, Midarach, Hisham? Who, me, Avain, and Isaiah, yes, Anu, call Echol to Saab, Nafsham, who, Ezakwal Hashem, Batsarlahem, in the place from which they had been. They were in a tight place, they call out to Hashem, Yishlach, the bar of the year, Bam, and Hashem will heal you from there. And then, Yedulash, and Chazde, once again, we say a phrase of, in Tehillim again, of that then you give thanks, call out, and give thanks to Hashem, praise to Hashem. How do you know that someone who's locked up in a jail? He has to give thanks to Hashem when he escapes. Those who are dwelling in the darkness, right? referring to people who are in jail. Once again, we use the same language, but they cry out to Hashem in the tight place. And when they actually leave that tight place, they say, they say once again, we give thanks to Hashem for His kindness. What is the, the actual terminology or the language of the bracha that they use? Blessed is the one who is um, it bestows upon us great kindness. Sorry, you have to say this in front of 10 people. It says that you should raise up your voice in a in a congregation of people for into 10 people. He says a qualifier. It's not just 10 people. It has to be two of them are sages, are Torah sages. As it says, it says that in a, in a uh, gathering of zikanim, of, of righteous people, you should give praise to Hashem. Maskalorash, you actually ask a question. Well, then, if you need to be in a Moshe of Zakanim and in a dwelling place of Zakanim, then maybe they all have to be righteous sages. It didn't say in a congregation of Zakanim, but it says in a congregation of people. So clearly, it just has to be people, but there also has to be, we also have to satisfy Moshe of Zakanim, a dwelling of, of uh, righteous people. So, how do you do that? You say 10 people total, but two of them have to be righteous. Because two is the minimum of a Moshev Zikkenim, right? It's the plural language of elders, so it has to be at least two. The Ema Be'asar Shar Ama, the Trey Rabbanon, maybe it's supposed to be 10 people is regular people. And then on top of that, you need an additional two sages, Kasha. That's a question. Indeed, maybe it's a question. And that's not the Allah today, by the way. The Allah today is that we only we need 10 people total, but we do not need to have two Torah scholars. And Rechana Begadah of Rabban, we came to visit him. Amulei Baruch Achbon Adiyavach Nilach. The blessed is the one, compassion one who gave you back to us. Velo Yehavach Laafan did not bring you into, did not give you to the dirt, to the dust of the the earth. Amulei said to them, Patrasin Yafsi Milo Aduye said you have, for you have exempted me from having to make the blessing myself, because you already gave thanks on my behalf. Asha. Ve'Amar. Abaya Abaya says, Abaya says, you need to give thanks in, in this Gaimel Chasad and Pleven. The bracha of benching Gaimel has to be in front of 10 people. There was indeed, there were 10 people there. He didn't actually say it himself. Because he said, Amen, after they said it, and that itself was sufficient. That is the source for the benching Gaimel, the four situations of benching Gaimel. We'll go a little bit further. There are four people who, sorry, three people who need Shimur, who need, um, we need extra um, vigilance or extra gar- uh, guardians around them. But Elohim, these are they. Chayla, chasan, a A sick person, a chasan, a groom, a kala, a bride. This is, some people, you know, we do this today still. It's just that we have a shomer 
either the day of the wedding, the week before the wedding, some of those different customs, but they should not be unaccompanied. They should always have an additional person with them. In a right, so we learned, learned four people, a sick person, a woman giving birth, a, a groom and a bride. Another person say even Avo, even someone who's in the Avelos. Some people say, Righteous people, Torah scholars, at night, they also need to have a shomer with them, a guardian with them. Three things that if you do, if you uh, prolong this act, you will end up having a life that is prolonged. What are they? If you die for a long time. And if you spend a long time at your table. You spend a long time in the bathroom. And in spending a long time in prayer, a good thing. We learned this earlier in Brachas. We're turning the page now. Anybody who extends their tefillah, ma'ayin ba'an is ma'ayin in it, and uh, dwells in, and gets into the depths of it. He's going to end up having heartbreak. As it says, that if you pray for too long, you're going to end up having uh, get heart sick. And also it says three things that Hashem is going to then remember the iniquities of people. The Elohim, these are they. Here, not a wall which is leaning and is going to fall. The EMT is someone who's spending too much time davening. Someone who says, I'm very angry at my friend. And he says, I, he needs to be judged in heaven. And he himself will be judged. Right? So it says that if he's davening for too long, we said two bad things. First of all, you're going to have heartache. Second of all, davening too long is going to bring you, is going to remind Hashem of what you've done wrong. One is talking about a case where you daven for a long time, assuming that I'm davening for a long time and I know I'm going to get answered properly. If you do that, first of all, you're going to get sick to your heart because it's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. Second of all, Hashem is going to say, you're so confident that you have enough attributes and enough qualities that you deserve to be listened to. Let me look at you very carefully. When Hashem looks at us very carefully, it doesn't end so well. What we're talking about earlier, we say someone who davens for a long time, Hashem will extend his days. We're talking about someone who davens for a long time, but without expecting any expectations that he's for sure going to get answered. He just davens for a long time because he's caught up in connecting to Hashem and davening for a long time. Take care, guys. Good night.